One Week Season. One Week Season fam, La Familia, welcome back. My name is Mike Johnson, M Johnson 86 as I'm known in the best ball and DFS streets. Coming to you here on Monday, June 26th with our Monday News Reactions and Market Updates podcast. Again, this is associated with our One Week Season Best Ball Plus 2023 product and subscription. Uh, this specific podcast is available weekly on our free podcast feed um, on any platform that one week season is offered on. Uh, it also is within our Best Ball Plus product private feed. Uh, just a reminder what our weekly schedule looks like. On Tuesdays, I run a podcast or training session, as we like to call them, uh, specific to theories for DraftKings and drafters, uh, contests on those platforms. On Wednesday, my esteemed colleague Hilo is diving deep into underdog theory. On Thursdays, Hilo comes back once again with deep dives into game theory and associating those game theory ideas that he has studied so deeply and how we can associate them to best ball and implement them in a way to have a positive expectation on our results. And then finally, on Fridays, Hilo has his industry guests on for a live stream on Twitter and YouTube, uh, also available on podcast feeds, but uh, very insightful, uh, very entertaining uh, series that he has been doing. Last week, he had Pat Corain from Legendary Upside on. Pat, of course, is the Best Ball Mania 3 champion, has started his own company now. Um, just a really sharp guy. It was great to hear Hilo and Pat kind of bouncing things off each other here where they uh, were in agreement, here where they um, maybe saw things a little differently and kind of just seeing that that conversation play out was was very informative and useful for me and I'm sure anyone else who watched it also uh, walked away better for it. So with the, all of that being said, we're going to jump into today's uh, Monday news reactions and market updates podcast. Again, uh, NFL training camps, or excuse me, mini camps, uh, have all closed up shop now. So with less action this last week, uh, there's a lot less uh, actual news to go through. Uh, just the nature of things. Um, all the teams are done with mini camps now. The next uh, time live action will be going on with these practices will be when training camps open in late July. So with all of that in mind, there just is less going on, less to talk about. So, you, you know, you're going to get some uh, hype and fluff. You're going to get some uh, negative things coming from teams. And uh, most of the action that you will hear in the next few weeks uh, will likely be related to contracts with the franchise tag players. So um, those are some things we'll keep an eye on going forward. Uh, but for this week, there are a few things we want to keep an eye on and talk about, um, you know, keep, a, keep our hand on the, our finger on the pulse for uh, 
so just some different situations that are arising. Uh, the first and more, most significant one, of course, is the Tyreek Hill drama. So Hill was involved in an incident at a marina in Miami this last week. He allegedly slapped a man. Um, the quote-unquote victim is reportedly pressing charges for assault and battery. Uh, so Hill does have a past history of violence issues that could make the NFL more likely to act and suspend him at some point and or be tougher on him uh, when that time comes. Um, <clears throat> however, we've seen the NFL is going to wait for these legal situations to play out before they're going to act. Uh, they're not going to uh, come in and levy some lengthy suspension or uh, you know, make a sweeping statement until they have all the facts. And more importantly, um, they do not want to interfere with any legal proceedings, whether those be civil or criminal situations. Um, this situation is strikes me as very similar to Alvin Kamara's. Um, last year, of course, uh, in 2022 at the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas uh, in February, Kamara was involved in an incident where he uh, was involved in a fight in a hotel just outside a nightclub, and the victim pressed charges. There's a civil suit as well. Uh, that situation is still not resolved 18 months later. Um, there was a lot of worry about Kamara last offseason, and then uh, what ended up happening was because nothing ever played out, nothing legally happened, uh, the NFL he didn't do anything, and Kamara just played the entire season. Um, this strikes me as a very similar situation, uh, especially with the victim you know, they, they press charges and Hill with his legal team, like they're going to fight this, obviously. So um, one of two things is likely to happen. If it if it if this is much, much ado about nothing or a, a very small incident that kind of gets um, thrown out at some point, um, then that's just exactly what it is. It, I don't think it is. Uh, the type of thing, despite Hill's past, um, if it does prove that this was just a small brush up, um, I don't expect anything really to happen from it. On the other end, if it is somewhat significant, if there is something that happened, um, you know, Hill is going to fight this. He's going to uh, try to keep himself, um, delay this legal process as long as possible. You look at the 18 months that Camaro was um, has been able to push this out, which his trial is finally set to start on July 31st of this year. So with that in mind, um, you know, it seems very unlikely that anything would come out or would be resolved in the Tyreek Hill situation before this season starts or for that matter, before it ends. Um, so with all of that in mind, my advice is to buy the dip. Um, I adjusted Hill some in my rankings. I dropped him from three to six. Um, but that, you know, even with that, I, I moved him uh, behind Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey, and Austin Eckler. Um, even with that, you know, my expectations for Hill really haven't changed. It's more about reacting to the market. So um, I dropped Hill a bit in my 
rankings, which rankings I, I really am not a fan of uh, the idea of rankings because I think each draft is kind of different. And once drafts start, uh, the rankings themselves uh, become less relevant. But um, I'm still drafting Hill aggressively. Um, you know, I might even bump him back up a little bit. But uh, as I said, I think that I'm going to always stay at or ahead of the market on him. And I am very confident that he is going to leave this situation. Um, you know, this situation isn't going to do anything negative to him uh, during the course of this upcoming NFL season. Uh, I don't know how it will play out in the long run, but I think that if you look at the span we're looking at for best ball, we are looking at from now basically through um, the first couple weeks of January, which is six months out. And I don't see uh, this situation coming to a head uh, before that. So um, still in on Tyreek Hill, um, if Jalen Waddell's ADP rises too far uh, as people, if people are worried about Hill, um, you know, I, I might be become out on him. Um, and Tua is not a quarterback that I've been super high on, but if his, his ADP is significantly um, affected in, in a negative way, um, then he might be someone that I start buying up aggressively. So with that, moving on to another of the mid-round quarterbacks, um, Jordan Love has been uh, getting some love, pun intended, um, from his teammates recently. Jair, Jair Alexander called Love the quote-unquote best QB in the league. Um, Romeo Dubs, the wide receiver, says that Love quote-unquote can do everything Aaron Rodgers did. Um you know, I saw a tweet that was uh, responding to the Alexander love and somebody had tweeted, um, you know, what a big deal it is that uh, the opposition, so the team's defensive players were hyping up Jordan Love and how, you know, obviously he must be impressing them in practice and we should take that to mean, um, you know, take more credibility to the report. Um, but then uh, another person replied with uh, screenshots of past uh, hype pieces, I guess we'll say, for uh, Josh Rosen, Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, and Zach Wilson, um, all with quotes from uh, their defensive teammates, kind of blowing them up and saying how great they've been and how great they look. So um, no guarantee it means anything. You know, and with the Jordan Love situation, such a high-pressure situation for him replacing Aaron Rodgers, um, players on both sides of the ball are going to be pumping Love's confidence right now. He's a key to their individual and team success. So um, any chance that anyone in the organization has, they are going to pump his tires and, you know, show him show him that that positive reinforcement and that they have his back. Um, that being said, I do have a lot of faith in Love having a strong season relative to his ADP. I talked about this a lot in the team preview that I wrote. Uh, you could check out on one week season. Um, one, the first uh, team preview for each division is free for everyone. 
Um, the rest are only available to Best Ball Plus subscribers, but um, in the Packers team preview, I talked about that I actually expect the Packers offense to play at a fa faster pace this year um, without Aaron Rodgers bleeding the clock every play. Uh, Rodgers is notorious for um, making adjustments, using hard counts, uh, using every second of the play clock every play. Um, and I actually think that there's a pretty good chance that the Packers' pace of play is going to significantly rise this season. Um, so with that increased tempo and uh, me kind of believing in Love's athletic traits, um, along with two to three years of seasoning, um, being able to just get better, focus on getting better without the pressure of playing, um, I think that Love is in a spot where he could have a very successful season. So, um, with that in mind, moving on to uh, another NFC um, kind of sleeper team, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, Cordero Patterson. Uh, some rumblings out of Atlanta about a possible revival for him, of course, Tyler Algier was the rookie running back who ran for over 1,000 yards for the Falcons last year while Patterson battled injuries. Uh, then the Falcons drafted Bijan Robinson with the 8th overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. So Patterson has been kind of left for dead. He's 32 years old now. Um, but there are rumors of him being used more as a pass catcher this year. And Patterson is an explosive player whose skill set is very versatile. Uh, he can do a lot of different things. Um, and this, you know, rumor, quote-unquote rumor, would make sense. Considering the crowded backfield and questionable wide receiver core behind Drake London for the Falcons, it would make sense that Patterson, who began his career as a wide receiver, would be used in a, a hybrid role and... Um, found ways to get touches in space, found ways to uh, be used on the perimeter or in the slot. Um, so definitely, you know, Patterson is the type of guy who is a, a great late-round flyer with um, explosive weekly upside. When you think about these rumors, um, you know, Patterson, again, he has that history as a wide receiver. He was sixth among running backs in targets in 2021. And... When you think about uh, those late picks, those high weekly upside players, uh, again, Patterson still does have running back eligibility. So when you think about um, just all the potential that he brings, um, you know, he, he really is a great fit. He, he, could, he has a lot of paths to helping you this season. Um, you know, if Robinson were to go down, uh, if Patterson is used in more of a wide receiver role, um, you know, there's just a lot of different ways for him to get there. Um, and he has, he has proven at the NFL level that he is capable of making um, these big plays. A lot of these late round players that we see uh, being hyped and drafted late in uh, best ball drafts as potential weak winners um have never actually done it, whereas Patterson has. So uh, definitely um, some intrigue from my end uh, there, and I'll probably be raising him up a decent amount in my rankings to make sure um, that myself and our subscribers 
are uh, getting a little bit of um, little bit of CPAT involved in their uh, best ball um, portfolio. So moving on from that, we will go to the uh, favorites or second favorites, maybe depending on who you ask in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, a little update from their QB room. Uh, Adam Schefter was on the Pat McAfee podcast, and he basically said that this is Brock Purdy's team when he's healthy. Uh, should be no surprise there after how well Purdy played last season. Uh, Schefter also said he thinks Sam Darnold starts over Trey Lance if Purdy isn't ready. Uh, this is somewhat significant and kind of contradictory considering all of the uh, all the positive vibes coming out of San Francisco around Lance in the last month or two. Um, so, you know, kind of reading the tea leaves there, um, I believe Schefter is probably getting his information from people who are speaking anonymously and people who kind of know the reality of the 49ers. Um, so I do put a lot of weight in this report as far as Darnold over Lance. Um, and just from a logical standpoint, when you think of John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, uh, other 49ers, people associated with the 49ers franchise, um, pumping up Trey Lance, um, you know, that could just be trying to raise his trade value. Uh, they could know, you know, where they stand on him and that, that they missed on the pick. Um, but if they feel Purdy is their long-term starter, if they feel confident Darnold is better for them in the short term for this season, you know, then it becomes a point of can we save face to some degree by being able to pull a second or third round pick out of somebody um, in exchange for Lance and kind of moving on from that sunk cost. So uh, that's kind of my take on the San Francisco quarterback situation. Um, the Baltimore Ravens uh, reports are that they are playing at a significantly increased pace. They've upped the tempo. Um, they are using the running backs in the passing game more. Um, this shouldn't be a surprise with Todd Monken as their offensive coordinator. Monken, of course, comes from the background of the air raid type of offense, uh, likes to push the ball down the field, play fast. Um, so really kind of in line with, with what we've been expecting Um with the changes that, uh, you know, were talked about when Monken was first hired um, and with the changes I think that Lamar Jackson has uh, been vocal about wanting to see. So um, shouldn't be a surprise, but it is uh, kind of validating and reaffirming um, about some of our uh, beliefs in the Ravens. When you think about what this means, um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, we talked last week uh, briefly about his contract situation and him kind of being displeased and wanting another contract as he enters his fourth season. Um, but with his contract complaints, uh, bringing his ADP down some and these positive vibes about the offense um, and potential being used in the passing game, one of the Big detriments for running backs who are in backfields with uh, these dual threat quarterbacks is that uh, check down passes to the running backs just are less frequent. And, you know, that just changes the floor and ceiling 
uh, for a lot of these running backs. So, um, you know, if they are purposefully uh, trying to involve Dobbins in the passing game, something he was uh, very capable of in college, uh, that certainly raises his ceiling. Um, and so, you know, with the combination of uh, Dobbins' contract situation, him sitting out of minicamp, uh, you know, bringing his ADP down some, and these positive vibes around the offense and his role in it, uh, could be a great time to buy J.K. Dobbins. Uh, you know, expanding on this uh, Baltimore situation, you know, the real- reality is Lamar Jackson has as good of chance of a QB1 season as anyone in the league. And other than Mark Andrews, the rest of the offense can be had, uh, you know, for a very cheap price. You know, J.K. Dobbins is going in the fifth or sixth round. Um, and uh, the wide receivers are all going in the eighth round or later. Uh, Isaiah Likely, uh, Gus Edwards, also some backups who are available late in drafts uh, with high weekly upside uh, for our best ball playoff weeks. So, um, definitely, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that I have a, a ton of exposure to, uh, and I will continue, um, being aggressive in getting them on my best ball rosters. Um, as we talk about, as we finish things up, um, you know, that was the end of the big, I guess, news reactions that I have for this week. Um, as we talk about, uh, we move on. The, the biggest risers in ADP from the last week, uh, Paris Campbell, who we talked about last week, he jumped up uh, fairly significantly, a, a couple of rounds basically um, in average draft position uh, as people react to uh, the news coming out of New York with Campbell being, it sounds like one of the main pieces of that receiving core uh, that you know, has previously had a lot of ambiguity around it. Uh, along with that, Jalen Hyatt, the rookie wide receiver, his ADP has dropped fairly significantly. Again, um, all of these Giants wide receivers are very cheap. So I think uh, a team that has a chance to have a very good offense and a lot of cheap pieces, I think the idea is just to uh, look to target those players and uh, get a couple of them on as many rosters as you can. And, um, you know, hopefully things shake out the way you need them to uh, with the right players on the right rosters. But uh, definitely um, that Giants wide receiver core is a low risk, high reward situation right now. Uh, Pierre Strong, uh, big another big riser. Uh, interesting thing with Pierre Strong uh, running back for the Patriots is he has risen since James Robinson was released, uh, but there have been a couple of uh, reports coming out of New England with Ty Montgomery, um, who was previously, he's a converted wide receiver, um, and talk of him potentially getting the quote-unquote James White role as a pass-catching back uh, for the Patriots. So um, if that were to come to fruition, um, you know, it would certainly be a knock on strong. So if his ADP climbs too far, uh, might have to move out on him. Uh, Cam Akers also has uh, moved up slightly on draft boards. I still think he is a buy. I talked about him last week um, as he is, uh, I called him the most undervalued player in best ball. Um, I think even though his value has risen, 
Uh, in the last week, he is still a great buy, uh, has huge upside from a weekly, weekly and season-long perspective. Uh, very talented player with a good offensive-minded head coach. Um, so someone I will continue to buy. Uh, Jerome Ford has also seen um, a continued ascent up the draft boards. Uh, he is still someone that I like, but he is starting to get close to the territory of, um, you know, he's infringing on some other running backs that I feel equally strong or uh, stronger about. So, um, you know, I will still draft him on uh, rosters that make sense. Um, but I, I do still have, you know, Ford when he, I could get him in the 15th, 16th round every time, uh, maybe 17th. Um, you know, I, I was much more excited about that. Uh, now as he creeps up into like the 12th, 13th, 14th rounds, uh, depending on the draft, um, it becomes a little more of an opportunity cost, uh, depending on how you are building your team. So, uh, you know, again, someone with a high upside case, uh, so I'll certainly still be drafting him. Um, but he's starting to get to the point where uh, you've got to think about it a little deeper. So uh, that is it for this week's Monday News and Market Updates podcast. Hopefully, we will uh, hear, we will see you guys all in the Discord and in the draft rooms. Once again, this is Mike Johnson, one week season best ball plus 2023. And we will see you tomorrow.